Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. What's up, friends? I'm hanging out in Baltimore, getting ready to go talk at MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art, which is really great. I've been wanting to visit for a long time. A lot of my favorite people went to school here. And, uh, you know, I didn't get to go to a fancy art school in America. And so this is kind of like my way of living my dreams. It's going to visit these schools and and uh, share my work and do my thing there. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's I'm excited about it, and I've never been to Baltimore, so that's pretty cool. So today's episode is going to be a treat for you. Uh, this episode, I loved how this conversation played out. It played out in a very kind of practical way in a lot in a lot of ways. Darren Booth is an illustrator that I've been a fan of for a long time. We've been friends online for a long time. His style is really, really succinct and interesting and dis- distinct distinct and succinct. And I, I've always been fascinated by someone who can express themselves in such a unique way and kind of land in a, in a territory that is really their own. And in this conversation... Darren and I kind of walk through the step-by-steps of how he landed on 
this style, and it's pretty instructional. And I and and in that way, I really really loved this. Um, and then in all ways, I just had a good time <laughs> hanging out with Darren. I hadn't met him. Uh, even though we'd been friends online for a long time, I hadn't met him until just this past year at the Icon Illustration Conference, and that's where we recorded this conversation. I think you are going to find it a treat, whether you're an illustrator or a musician or a writer or whatever you are. I think there are some really clear instructions about finding your style and your voice, things that are kind of esoteric and, and vague. You know, I felt like because of that, growing up in the in the creative scene no one would give me any clear instructions on how to even get started on unpacking my voice and this is just that so if you're looking for that it's going to be right up your alley uh, if you don't know Darren Darren is uh, a lettering artist before lettering artists were a thing he's an illustrator he's a surface designer He's worked with a few clients, just a few small ones you might have heard of. Google, Coca-Cola, AOL, Target, McDonald's, Disney, people like Steve Martin and Willie Nelson. Big time stuff we're talking about. Without any more blabbing, let's get to Darren. You're going to love this. Here he is, my friend, Darren Booth. So uh, for people that don't know who you are, how do you, when you meet someone here even, what do you say? Um, my name is Darren Booth. Yeah. Uh, I'm an illustrator and hand letterer, uh, surface designer. Um, I kind of do like a painterly collage kind of style. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the style that kind of takes way too much time to <laughs> to do. And um, I, for the most part, I was like always working traditionally and just in the last year, I'm kind of switched over to digital. Are you almost full digital now? I am full digital. Yeah. Like, unless I need to paint for whatever <clears throat> reason or make some textures or something. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, full digital. Do uh, do you feel like people know whether you're doing digital or uh, analog? Um, some people do just because they'll follow me on Instagram and they'll see, like, through my what stories or something. Now. Yeah. Right. And they'll have questions about, like, Oh my god! I was thinking of switching to digital. Like, can I pick your brain about, you know, how you kind of made the leap and the transition? But uh, yeah, clients don't—they don't seem to notice or no, care. No, because it's—I think it's the work, easier for them. Yeah, the work yeah. still looks the same, and I think that was kind of the the one thing that I was worried about when I switched to digital. Like, can I make keep working the way that I want to work? Like your work. Yeah. Yeah. And can I do it digitally? Yeah. So, but I think that it was just kind of the perfect storm of like technology was finally got to the point where it was good enough and um, like Photoshop brushes kind of got come to a the long point. way and come then, a long way in like three years yeah 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 it's crazy like I it still boggles my mind that we can build out final art on an iPad <clears throat> it used to be like uh, f- four or five years ago uh, if something was made purely digitally it really kind of grossed me out I was yeah. like you could see everything looked fuzzy you know, like, if they were trying to get a soft texture, it was just like, it looked blurred. Yeah. Or it, I hated it. Yeah, and it was certain, changed. certain colors, if you, like, are, are working digitally, certain colors feel more natural. Yeah. And then if you, you know, tweak the contrast or the hue or something, then you're like, okay, now it looks 
digital and it's I find there there is a still like a fine line that you kind of have to walk to make sure it doesn't feel too digital, too digital yeah but before it was always like um, uh, I don't know you, you digital was always kind of looked down on like tw when when I started my career yeah there weren't a lot of folks doing fully digital work yeah it was still traditional and then slowly everybody was adopting more digital stuff or, or just still working traditionally with like digital manipulation kind of at the yeah, end for the yeah. last 10% of their piece or something and I just felt like a dinosaur not really not working <laughs> digitally and yeah then, and finally it just got to the point where I'm like okay I can finally make this leap while the, the technology's up to snuff and yeah like it's it's good enough so it seemed like with the uh, when lettering was like at its peak though that your analog approach applied to like a newer th I, I you know I, I hate using the word trend but basically that's probably the quickest way to get there yeah uh, this analog way of working that you know people that that are just starting don't have the chops don't have the knowledge don't have the background right. applying that to a new thing that was really happening that seemed to be yeah that seemed to hit really nicely for you. Well, the fu the funny thing is, I've been doing hand lettering before hand lettering was a thing. Was yeah, yeah. And it was like I had hand lettering in my college portfolio. Crazy. When I when I graduated in yeah. two thousand and one. Yes. So and I remember I had um, a couple hand lettering pieces in my like physical portfolio, like ones that you actually went and brought to art directors <laughs> and showed them, and yeah. you sat there nervously. I'm sorry, like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Just <laughs> kidding. And like I had transparencies in my portfolio, and you know it was such a different time to how to like about how you go to about how how you go about getting work. So, and um, it wasn't like I feel like there's only a few diff few years difference between us, but things changed yeah. like rapidly. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of on the cusp of like when I graduated, um, I was the only one in my graduating class that had a working website the day we graduated. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah. like had my domain and stuff, and everybody kind of followed after that but like it yeah. was yeah like I thought that was important like I think you need a website that, you know the day you graduated that you gotta hit the ground running yep and uh, I don't think maybe you did but that was like the days of like flash websites and everything and yes but the I made mine I was the same in that I had a Dreamweaver website yeah we cut it up in all the pieces yeah, and it like it's all image based oh and you want gosh. it to look like it's like handmade or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man the good old days the good old the days yeah, yeah. But, but I had before that we had Wix. What will you create? Sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I'm on Squares. Oh, nope, <laughs> can't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> um, so, all right, we're gonna we're gonna just change uh, gears, and I I like to start with asking this question: If I before this path, this creative path that you've been on, mm -hmm. illustration, um, before that happened, if I asked you who you are. Before that, what would you have said? You know, well, you can start with what your childhood was like, how you saw yourself, what you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know how I saw myself. I knew I'd be working with my hands somehow. If like, you've, oh, that's always been a thing. Yeah, I've you? been working yeah. since I was ten. Like, I actually had a job since I was ten. Doing what? Um, drywalling and plastering and carpentry and everything. Yeah. Um, just family business. So, I would go work every Saturday with my grandfather and he'd pay me like 10 whole bucks yeah and uh, it was the greatest thing and I learned all those skills and then you know when I became a teenager I'd go work with my uncle when he took over the business and um, yeah what I was were always, you guys making 
that was all drywall and okay. um, rebuilding houses and flipping them and um, yeah, and just kind of working with people that way. But I think that maybe subconsciously paved the way that I could work for myself, and I didn't realize that yeah. because my grandfather did it, my uncle did it. Didn't really. I'm just like that's just a way of life. Yes. And then when um, I was doing an internship in high school, I did it at like a screen printing shop. And one of the old guys who worked there, he's like, well, he goes, I know you're going away to school and, uh, you know, you might be an animator or something afterwards, whatever path you're going to take. He goes, but you are going to work for yourself. I'm like, I no, there's no way, man. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'll never work for myself. Like I can't be a boss. Yeah. And I don't know if he saw that in me or if he knew that that was common for that path, for that creative path or something. So, um, yeah, and then I just I went to art school, and sure enough, like he was right. And I saw that guy ten years later, and I'm like, "Hey, man, good to see you. You were right." And he knew exactly what I was talking what? about. What? Yeah, he, he remembered that conversation, and then wow. like a year later, the poor guy died. But, oh man! But I got to tell him thanks, this is basically. Like, uh, so like Dumbledore, it's yeah. like Harry Potter yeah. saying, "You're a wizard. Yeah. You're a freelancer." Um, <laughs> did so? How did so? You were working with your hands. That was like a big part of. Do you, did you like? Is it like a the physicality, the sensory, like, you know, the problem it, solving? Okay, yeah, like a physical problem solving. Yeah, yeah, and like my my father's heavily into woodworking. My other grandfather's heavily into woodworking. So, like, it's always been around the studio. Like, always been around the house. And either I'm working with one grandfather building a house, or I'm working with my dad. Like, you know, just trying to make something look pretty and play with all different kinds of wood and yeah. Um, yeah, I think all that stuff slowly soaks into you and, and kind of influences you in, in ways. Because my dad's basically like a collage artist with using wood. With wood, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. And I, don't, I didn't even realize that till after. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I didn't... Because there was no... Like, it's not like they were artists. Yes. So I didn't really put the two together, you know? Yeah. So what do you think you took from your mom? Um... Do you have things in common with her? Yeah, the the pragmatic side of like how I would approach business. Yeah, um, that's very much my mom. Um, but she still like knits and sews and puts quilts together and stuff. So there are so there it's is a crafty, some, like creative. Yeah, yeah and same with my grandmother yeah. on that side too. Like she's she's very creative, and I, I think I probably had some artists in the family that just weren't allowed to become artists because it was, you know, 50 years ago or 100 years ago. So Didn't seem like a path. No. Yeah. And it wasn't something that was, you know, readily accepted, right? Yeah. So it was like you had to go find a job somewhere because you had families so young, so you can't really... So how did you find that path? What My was parents that? were pretty supportive. Um, like but were you already painting? Like what, how Oh, yeah. Like I was... I, I've been an Have artist. you always painted? Yeah. Ever how did you know you like could... Sorry. Four, five years old. Like it's in my like baby books. Like what do you want to be when you grow up? Artist. Artist. <sighs> artist. Always artist. But how was it... How did it go from artist to illustrator? How did that... I didn't know what an illustrator was until I started college. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so did you start a different program? Yeah. It was like a general first year. Oh, okay. Called Art and you don't even have to pick. No, it was our okay. fundamentals. Um, I didn't get into animation right out of high school, which wasn't uncommon there at Sheridan. Um, right. So if you took this art fundamentals program and you achieved a certain mark, you can kind of backdoor your way into animation and skip so the whole So you wanted portfolio. to go to animation? I did, yeah. Why? Did, wh- why? Um, just people in high school who were, 
were a couple years ahead of me, some of the work that they were producing, they were animation students, and I, I was like, wow, that's amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, and I loved Toy Story and stuff when it first mm. came out, so I always yep. thought I was going to be an animator. And then I got to Sheridan, started our fundamentals, and you could kind of walk around the animation wing, and um, all those cells and character designs were really cool, but then I'd walk around the illustration wing, and I was automatically drawn to those finished products right away where animation always seemed like a process because you have to draw yeah. you know that bouncing ball x amount of times for it to equal five seconds Final, of, yeah. yeah so it just seemed like there was you're never really producing finished work in animation and it was always a team-based thing i think i liked being yeah. more of an individual so um yeah after like that first month of college i knew it was an illustration career that was more my path what were there any Specific? Do you remember any specific, like, you know, I don't want to overhype it so that you overthink it, but do you remember any or in the early days, uh, the any like magical moment, any moments where all of a sudden you're like illustration, like this is my, I gotta go this way. Yeah. Well, just walking in the hall, seeing the work. Yeah. There was, I think it was the third, like the, at that time the program was three years so the final work that they were the, the grads were producing that year they had styles they had like it was it was just it just resonated with me and that's when I knew I'm like, yes yeah. it's going to be illustration but I didn't really know what illustration was and the funny thing is when I went back for Christmas that year um, I was like flipping through some of the old books that were in my room and we were forced to keep like a journal in high school and um, that's interesting yeah, where like normally you wouldn't think to do that on your own when you're 17 years no. old. And um, I was looking through it and I had like pulled stuff out of magazines and it was like illustrations that I clipped out of like Guitar World magazine and they were like of illustrators that I later on, you know, got to meet and oh, know their that's work. Crazy. And I was like, I, I was taking this out. I didn't even know what it was. Oh man. So it I was it was kind of like in you. It was in kis- your, yeah. yeah, kismet or yeah. whatever you call it. So I do think like. Uh, with illustration, I think one thing that's always been interesting to me, it's the same thing that interests me about comedy, is that it's really about, it's like a, <clears throat> it's like a tool for uh, self-actualization, f- uh, like, yeah, developing your voice. Like, that's what style's so interesting, especially yeah. if you're someone who finds, uh, like, uh, being an, I'm an introvert, but I'm also very individualistic. Right. And I, uh, and I think that, when you see a style that's really developed early on, that just like blew me away. Yeah. There's just something about figuring out your perspective and your voice right. that I was just like, oh man, I gotta do that. And even now, like, I've been doing this for 17 or 18 years now, and I feel like the first half of your career, you are trying to, you're still trying to find your voice. Yeah. And then after you find it, you're like, okay, that was fun. Yeah. I want to, now I want to completely change it. Really? You, you, just spent, yeah. you, know, you just spent the last 15 years trying to find, find it. it. Yeah. And, it's, and, and that's kind of what I'm going through now with, with switching to digital or trying to aim my work into different areas. Of different whether, markets. Yeah, whether yeah. it be kids' books or surface design or something that now I'm trying to like um, kind of take on some new influences or visit old ones that maybe I had kind of dismissed at one point where I thought I... I'd moved oh, on or grew them. Yeah. And then now, like, I'm revisiting them. I'm like, you know what? I've always liked that artist's work, or I've always yeah. liked this style of work. And, like, why did I kind of get away from it? Or you, I just got distracted maybe by something else. But 
you have to kind of be careful what you get distracted by, and you have to be careful what you get good at because sure. you yeah. can you can waste a lot of time and a lot of years being interested in the wrong things. Sometimes. Getting curious about, I, I do think like figuring out that Venn diagram of what you're interested in and what people are interested in you making, yeah. uh, and then being curious, trying to make sure you're. You, f- you pull the threads that lead down that road. And that you're still happy. And that you're excited it. about it, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, for a long time, I was super happy making the work that I was making. Yeah. And then after you know doing it for X amount of years, it, the, the satisfaction started to wane. And uh, you, you try to start figuring out, like, why is it, why am I not as happy anymore? I'm, yeah. I'm making money. I'm putting food on the table for the family. That's great. I've gotten some great clients. My career is still going upward, but creatively, yeah, it um, I've kind of been at my worst in the last you know four or five years, right? And then you got to once of, you're most established, yeah. Once everything's working, yeah, and it's like the worst time. You're like, <laughs> so shit, I'm I'm doing great now, and yeah. now I want to do something completely different and just blow it up, shake it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, uh, I just want to circle back to uh, finding your voice because I think. Um, when you've been on the path for a long time and you learn the methods for uncovering your voice, mm-hmm. uh, you, a lot of times it's an, an intuitive process, so you don't even think to explain it to other people. But right. I remember when I was in college, looking at these people with incredibly uh, articulated voices uh, and, and not ever getting good tips on how do you do that. It's right. a really crazy thing. And I think you just spoke to it a little bit, saying you're, you kind of... Talk to almost like a detective of yourself, yeah. which is similar to my process. But you looking back on, well, did I miss? You know, did I dismiss some of my some of those early curiosities? That, you know, and kind of looking back like a detective. What are the what has helped you develop something that? Because I, I do think you have a such a distinctive style. Um, do you have any tips about how you got to that place, other than? Um, I don't know, that kind of reflection. I think when I was in school, um, if we were working on a painting assignment, I would do the painting like how I thought we were supposed to do it, and I thought I would be doing it in a good way. And then in the other class, we were working on a collage, and I would do that the same thing. But there's, I liked painting, and I liked collage, and I liked doing this, and I liked doing that. And I was like, why can't I just take, you know, two or three of these things that I like the, the most and enjoy the most and somehow try to fuse them. Yes. And that's kind of where, like, that was kind of the, like, I hate to say the, the aha moment, but I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And that kind of led to, like, okay, take this element, take this element, put them together, and then it was, the light went on. Yeah. And then from then on, I'm like, that's how I really enjoyed working. And I still love working that way. Yeah. And then I think after a while, you just eventually train yourself to, always think like that yes so it's it's tough in one way because you when you are trying to grow you need to kind of pull back from that and re, kind of reassess everything and be like okay I've, I've trained myself to think like this but now I need to grow so how am I gonna what what am I gonna kill off yeah so what, or what am I gonna prune so I can kind of grow that branch in a different direction so I think that is super brilliant I'm just <laughs> I'm highlighting it because it's one of the things that I find all... I had the same experience in my own life. Uh, and I see it all the time with frustrated, creative people mm-hmm. saying they're thinking in a binary way. Right. Saying, 
well, I love this thing and I love that thing and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, best case scenario, perfect. That You're right at the cusp yeah. of the breakthrough because instead of seeing it as this thing and that thing, there's two options, it, it, it's a gray spectrum and you're, the, as soon as you can combine and remix those things, that's where you're going to start finding actual creativity. And I think half the battle there is knowing what you like. Yes. There's 100%. Things, that's, the, that's previous to that. Yeah that's, yeah. that's like 90% of the work right there. And then after that, you're like, okay, now I know what the, the two ingredients that I need to work with are. Yes. And then it's, you know, you just start trying to find the right proportions of them and how it's going to work and, you know, what... Uh, what kind of interests you from there and, yep. and you'll know deep down inside you're like hey, that's working yeah and it might be very different from what you were doing before but a lot of these like um subtle changes that people go through it might be something like you're going to remove this texture out of your work or this yeah. color out of your work or you're going to stop doing an outline on all your characters and you're going to do this and that kind of pushes you to the next level yeah and to you it's these little tiny micro decisions yeah, yeah and to you it's a huge change yes and i'll tell my wife you see the nose? I'm doing different noses now. Yeah. Not. She's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And, <laughs> Nobody and, is going to see that. And to the outsider, they don't pick out that stuff. Yes. And I was always re- very conscious about, like, again, my mother's side being very pragmatic. Um, I was always worried about it from, like, a business perspective. Like, yeah. If my work keeps changing um, really quickly, art directors are going to be like, well, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this guy. Yeah. But if you look at my body of work, it's just slowly changes yes. and to the outsider, they don't know if a piece is a year old or if a piece is five years old. Yes. And, but to me, it's night and day difference. I talked to a artist uh, for an interview way back and he described it as uh, your style is like a giant tree where every branch is a micro binary decision. We're like, Am I going to put lines on it or I'm not going to put lines on it? And that branch kind of goes out there. And then you do a few other branches there. And to you, you're like very stuck in the branch, like the tiny little branch. But everybody else has stepped back, seeing the whole tree kind of flourish. And it doesn't really, yeah. I I find right now with with the changes that I'm kind of forcing myself to go through and that I need to kind of go through to just stay happy creating. Because I really was unhappy creating for the last... You know, a couple of years, and just in the last, you know, say year and a half or so, it's got to get there. Yeah, yeah. And I just feel like, um, like one of my friends actually, she summed it up, and she's just like, "You're, you're kind of in a like an awkward teenager phase right now." Yeah. Yes. And it, it, I, I couldn't say it better myself, but that yep. really perfectly describes it. So it's, but I think when when you're trying to dis- trying to figure out your voice, and a lot of the answers are right in front of you, you don't even realize it. It's having the eyes, it's figuring out how to how to see it because yeah. it's there. And yeah. you don't. And you. And at twenty two years old or twenty five years old, you don't really know how to kind of harness that and figure out what you're looking no. for. But when, like, I'm almost forty now, so it's um, I've kind of figured out what I like and how to kind of go about, you know, finding some of those old pieces and putting them together. And some of them are um, whether it's visiting old sketchbooks from yeah. ten years ago or five years ago. But I think a lot of times you are working on something like a sketchbook and it's in front of you, you're only seeing one or two pages at a time. Yeah. But if you take those five last five sketchbooks that you you had and you took all the pages out and laid them out chronologically, yes. y- you will see some sort see of thread. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you're like, Okay, I didn't even realize like I had, you know, such a thing for leaves and a, and yeah. such a thing for textures and 
you know, there's all these common threads that you're like, okay, I, I, that's my thing. Yes. And then you can at least build on that. But that's good advice for, you know, younger people trying to find their, find their voice and they don't realize it's there. Or there's the younger people who have this great voice, but they're trying to, they don't realize that they have a yeah. voice. And as like, when I've, when I kind of taught in the past or when I see some illustrators work, um, who are newer now, I'm like, no, 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 that's not the stuff you should be doing. Yes. Like this personal work that you're doing or your sketchbook stuff, that's, you can tell that it's there's, so it's more genuine. It's so hard to self audit that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and see. It's good. That's why you need a teacher. You need people who, you know, practitioners, people yeah. that can see that stuff. So, my brain has like eight things going on that I want to make sure we don't skip because this is really fantastic. So, um, I just want to say the whole like combining things for me, it was a, uh, a a piece of work that was trying to combine Fraggle Rock with Alexander Gerard. Right. And I was like, and and I and I always tell people it's like. I know in your mind that sounds impossible and stupid, and I think you were saying like when you're doing it, you'll feel what's working. Yeah. But I think the thing that stops people is knowing that when you do that, it's not going to work, at least at the start, right. or it's going to be messy. Or you get that one, you're like, I don't know how I did this. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And then you, you try to reproduce, and you're like, yes. shit, I, I don't know what I did. The uh, So you, we also talked about um, how whether you would go do talks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like we're developing your talk right here. Oh. I've got your three points to finding your voice based on, based on what you said. Right. Know what you like, combine what you like, and then something that I tell people to do, and you're describing it exactly as, uh, then to put all of this stuff, I say, you know, make your greatest hits on a Pinterest board or something, right. and look for the patterns and the threads, yeah. and... And that's, I mean, those three steps alone will get you moving. Do you feel like there's any other parts to that? Just keep exploring. Yeah. Um, that seems the, like experimenting and stuff or like accidents and stuff have been a big thing. Yeah, and I think yeah. when, I, when I was first um, kind of starting to work in that style, um, I was experimenting here and experimenting there. And then I'm like, okay, let's experiment with these two things together. Combine your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, And exactly. you use yourself as your inspiration. So instead of putting, uh, you know, this artist's work up in front of you and this designer's work up in front of you, um, you know, put the work that you were really proud of, put it up in front of you and use yourself. It's like, okay, I did something really graphic this time and I did something really um, ornate this time. Let's see if we can put the two together because I liked working on both of those elements. Yes. And, uh, you know, see where you can kind of inspire yourself. And then eventually you just use yourself as inspiration. This is, uh, I'm very pragmatic in my approach to finding my voice. And I wanted people to give me that. But a lot of artists are not like that. Yeah. But what you just described is exactly how I've, uh, what's processes that have really helped me. Yeah. Uh, but saying, know what you like, combine what you like. Re- evaluate your portfolio, know what you like in your own portfolio, right? And then start combining those. Yeah. And then that's how it gets to a total. You know, you, when you step back and look at the ten pieces you liked uh, through that early process, and then say, how do I get influenced by the accidents, the experiments that happen in that? Yeah. How do I make, turn them together? 
that's when it starts to get into this totally different territory that never existed. Yeah, because you'll start making work once you start experimenting, you know, even sometimes a week. You're like, I never even knew I could make this a week ago. Yeah. And just in the last year, especially with, with switching to digital now, I can finally um, maybe execute some ideas that I, that I wasn't able to execute traditionally. Yeah. So a lot of this past year has just been exploring and then just kind of saying, you know what? That was a happy accident, even though it was digital. Because um, normally, like, I always kind of felt digital was so much more restrictive. Yeah. But when you don't know what you're doing, yeah. it's kind of better because there's no rules. And it's, yeah, it's ju- you're, ju- you're a lot more likely to have some stumble yeah. moments. Yeah, and you kind of come across things. And I, I've just things that I didn't really think that were um, important to me. I just started playing with them anyways. And all of a sudden, they're making their way into my, excuse me, my work now, and it's slowly, yeah, evolving again, and make it more noticeably evolving. But even just with some of the talks that we've we've seen at um, at Icon, like with, uh, with the various speakers, they're from piece to piece. There is a lot more variation than you think. Like I think when somebody especially, heard, I think now it's more common. Yeah, but anyway, but it's it's still. I think a lot of times, like people, are like, well, if I'm going to, you know, introduce a new color or introduce a new what composition, what are people going to think? Like, people aren't thinking about. Yeah, it, it yeah. still comes from your brain. It still comes from your hand. Um, you know, so it's still going to feel like you. Yeah. And I think you have to kind of be confident in saying, you know what, it's still coming from the same place. It's still going to feel like me, and that is how you kind of, you know, one of the ways that you can kind of advance, right? Yes. So. so uh, Looking back, were what have been the toughest moments of your career? What have been the biggest obstacles where you're like, Oof. "Oh my gosh, yeah." Um, just sticking with it and yeah. making work on a regular basis was really tough. To, when work is slow, you're like, "Well, what am I going to work on?" And and I'm more of a people pleaser. So if a, a client calls and they say, "Well, we need this by," you know, by Friday, I'm like, sure, I will drop everything yeah. and do everything to make sure that it's done and, and done well. But if I give myself a deadline, it's, you know, next March by the time that it's it's done. Yeah. If it ever gets done. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, that was a, a real challenge, just trying to figure out, like, how you personally work and how to, How like, to trick your own mind. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, totally. To, like, you're like, well, I suck at doing this, but how can I somehow turn that into a good thing yes and um that was that's probably like it's still the biggest challenge for me and i think it always will be just kind of dealing with my own personality half the time yeah and Um, i think you uh i think what's really tricky for a freelancer pretty much no matter what stage you're in uh you need to be making personal stuff when it's slow but when it's slow you that's when you never feel you, you feel usually when it's slow, you instantly go into a place of dark darkness, yeah. and that's not when you feel like making stuff. No, and so it's a it's a really hard thing to figure out how to hack your mind. Yeah, and for me, when moments. when I'm in a rut, I find the only way to get out of the rut is to make stuff. I know yeah. some people get up and they go for a walk or they go to the museum or something, and you just got to find what works for you. But for yeah. me, I have to like fight my way through it. It's a just, feeling of like. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's a big thing be, for becoming a professional. Like a lot of times I don't have time for creative blocks. Yeah. I've it's got, just discipline. I, yeah. I've got deadlines. Yes. So like it's, you know, I've got to just keep making work. And then 
clients don't know if you you know are going through a divorce or if you're having a kid or if you're sick or whatever and a lot of them don't care yeah you know yeah. they gave you a deadline like you've got to work with it you got to find a way to show up at work and and get stuff done so yeah. it's uh yeah just kind of pushing through and you know trying to deliver like professional work because even when i was in a rut and um you know there's stuff outside of work that i was trying to deal with it's uh i'm still showing up to work and still producing work and i look back at it now and those emotions are kind of tied to when I see those pieces. Yeah. Like I pull out my flat, my flat file and I'm like, oh, there's there's that painting or there's this painting. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't even pr- believe I produced that because, you know, I was, having, a, I was, I was, I was having a baby even, at the same yeah. time. Like yeah. it was, yeah, and it's, um, it's, it's challenging. But, like, yeah, what was the, what was the rest of the question? Uh, things, I was just saying things. what, you know, what, you know, what are... I try to always get people to talk about uh, the obstacles because I think a lot of people will look at someone with your client list and your style and all that and just think that it's been breezy. No. You uh, know? <laughs> no, it's been... Um, and I get that impression, too, from people. And the, sure. like, comparing yourself to other people like that is really hard not to do. Yes. And it, it's, it, um, it's really harmful. But how can you not... Exactly, you, you can't avoid it. So, and you've got a, you've got a professional, you know, uh, facade out there. Yeah, even no matter what's going on, you yeah. gotta, you can't be like, yeah, things are crazy right now. But yeah, yeah. and it's um, no, it has. It's been like a, like just every year I get, you know, a little bit better by by, just by producing more work and yeah. getting you know a few more clients and you learn how to negotiate better and it's not only getting better at illustration it's getting better as a business person too sure yeah and then the following year you're like oh i can i know how to quote better now and i can deal with rights better and now i'm going to push myself artistically a little bit more and every year it's it's just kind of a and it snowballs into yeah. yeah and uh did do you have any specific uh mentors or or just people in your life that have passed on lessons and if so do you have any that kind of stick out um yeah i did my internship with gary tax alley when i was oh crazy when i was finishing up college yeah, i didn't know that and um at the time like it was just a three-week internship but he's, he's a very hard-working illustrator um knows how to get his work out there has a unique style but our personalities are completely different but oh, i really? can but i can still take a lot of the stuff that how he you know works hard all the time and he's kind of hustling and apply those lessons to myself. Although, did you see things, like, when you were there, were you, like, did it, for me, like, the first time I met, like, a working illustrator properly, it opened a part of my brain that I couldn't open any other way. Like, I was like, oh, that's kind of how it works, and you're like, you know, I don't know, what was it? Yeah, like? just just kind of seeing behind the curtain Yeah, a little bit, and um, the people that he met, um, kind of people that he knew and hung, hung out with, and, you know, how you talk with an art director, and how you negotiate, like even just kind of hearing them on the phone. Yes, you know, right, just, yeah, and hearing what that, what, how are you supposed to be. Yeah, and scenario. he's just like emailing them like regular old people and just talking to them like they're, they're friends and you're just having a conversation because essentially you're on the same team. It's, yeah. I think when I was younger, I, I always thought like it's, you know, us versus the client. Right, yeah. And it's, you have these two sides, but when you're, you're just on the same side. It's, We're both trying to make something good. Yeah, and they're yeah. going through the same stuff that you're going through. You know, they're just trying to get their job done, and you're trying to get your job done. And it's, yeah, he was he was a great mentor. Um, and a lot of the, the professors and stuff that I had in 
college, they were all working illustrators. Yeah. So I think that is very valuable too because they can give you more real life lessons and projects and stuff to work on and say, well, you know what, that's not the kind of the feedback that a normal art director would give you. They just say, fix the hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't go into yeah. this like, I wanted it to look like a lobster claw or <laughs> like just learn your anatomy and fix the hand, you know? Like, yeah. Just like the excuse of, yeah, my style is lobster claw hands. Yeah. All right. That's why I don't have to learn it. I um, think like with students, it's always, um, they have a lot of time in between projects. You know, yeah. Like when you first get into high school, you're like, oh my God, grade nine, it's going to be so much work. Yes. And yeah. then you get to grade 10, you're like, I wish I was still in grade nine. Yeah. It's so easy now. <laughs> well, same thing with work and school. School yeah, and work. Yeah. yeah. The students always think like, oh my like, God, oh my I'm, gosh, I've got, got so much work to do and you know, I've got grad show at the end of the year and I've got this project and I've got to go to life drawing and you're like... You're like, yeah, look at my schedule. Yeah. i got three kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like, just just sit down and do it. Like, yeah. And, and I think after, you know, they're working for a year or so, they're going to wish they were back in back school. Back in school, I know. And having yeah. a week to do sketches <laughs> and a week to do a final. Yeah. Like, it's... Ridiculous. Yeah. So, just, I'm going to take it full circle. Uh, I find it really interesting that... This all kind of was rooted in working with your hands, mm-hmm. you know, drywall, painting, collage, all that. And I imagine it must have been, were you worried about switching to digital recently yeah. and losing the tactile sensory element of it? Yeah, totally. And how have you worked through it? What, you know, how, what was that um, process like? Well, a lot of it, like, I, I think when I was younger... I was very worried about how much the style was going to change and how that was going to affect like how a client thought about you and what they were going to get from you if there was going to be too much of an art director surprise. Yeah. Um, because art directors want to know what they're getting from you, right? So you have to be able to prove that. But I think after a while, when I, I'd start getting bored doing hand lettering, um, and I was good at portraits, so I'm like, well, I, I like doing portraits. Why can't I do more portraits? So I would put more portraits in my portfolio, and then I'd get more work doing portfolio like surprise surprise if you build it they will come for some reason uh this is an aha moment for every artist and it's like the most obvious thing in the world but But for some reason i wasn't like 20 i I think i realized that when i was like 26 like if you want to get book cover jobs you should have some examples of how you can do book covers yeah and that's exactly what i had to do so i find with like switching to digital or making personal work or whatever it is if i'm starting to go down a new path I basically just have to share the work, put it out there, don't be afraid to do that, but also show how I anticipate it being used, whether it's in packaging or in fabric design or yes. whatever it is. And, you know, by the time, like, it trickles down from... By the time you put it out there, you think, oh, I'm putting new work out there, the world's going to know about it right yeah. away. And some of them may, but by the time it trickles down to the clients, it's probably two years later by the time they're saying, you know what, can we get you to do that? You're like, I've already moved on like to what? The, I'm uh, doing this thing. Yeah. yeah. So you're always two steps ahead of the clients. For the most part, you are. But So you just said that, uh, and it's something I think about a lot. It's like nobody is, no art director, no fan, no whatever, is uh, as invested in the trajectory of your work as you are. And they're yeah. not watching with intent. It's yeah. kind of... I find that you kind of have to bash them over the head with, this is my next thing that I want to do. And you said that, obviously, putting that stuff into your portfolio, that's one thing you can do. Another thing is showing it how it can be applied, like making that extremely clear. Like, what have you done in terms of patterns and... 
Well, when I, I was doing a lot of editorial work near the beginning of my career, yeah, um, and it stressed me out because just trying to come up with concepts all the time and my work was very labor intensive and it took a long time to do. So if you're only getting four or five hundred dollars for a spot illustration yeah. or something, I wasn't making a lot. It's like I need some better paying jobs here and I loved book covers so I don't know how to get them so I made a few book covers and put them in my portfolio and then six months later I was finally getting some book book cover work that paid better gave me longer deadlines I was like okay this is feels more natural to me and I'm not so stressed and then same with advertising work and I, I sat there and like studied other illustrators portfolios and figured out okay why is does their why do why does their style work for advertising? And what is and it they're book? doing? That, what is that yeah. common thread? And like, how do I apply it to my own and try to dissect their work and and dissect my own at the same time? So then I started introducing, um, you know, different kinds of work to my portfolio or just just different compositions that felt like it was advertising. Yeah, and um, just really subtle things, but it, it does take a while to kind of trickle down. Yeah. So yeah, with patterns, like I at first I had a couple patterns just with no application whatsoever. Yes. But the second that I put, oh, pattern on a pillow or a pattern on a chair, surprise, a client's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> like for, for being a visual industry, sometimes we're really dumb. I know. <laughs> like You're like, come on, you're an art director. You couldn't like, make Like, come that, on, you, can't you see? Like I always yeah, say, you like. You can't make that leap. You put a cat in your portfolio and the anatomy's fantastic and uh, you assume that means they know. You can do anatomy. You can do dogs. You can do, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, no. You know, I know you can no, do cats. They only think you can do yeah. cats. And it's, you know, it's not even about being smart or dumb or whatever. It's about uh, risk mitigation. It's yeah. like, this is, their job's on the line. Yeah. If they hire you to do cats, they're, or, you know, to whatever it is, they're like, look, he can do it. And they can show their boss. Yeah. He can do cats. He's the, the cat guy. The majority of your jobs that you do, like as a working illustrator, are all just recreations of the greatest hits in your portfolio. 100%. Right. Yeah. Like that's all it is. So... After a while, after working for a long time, you just feel like you're recreating all your old work again. Yes. And that's why you have to keep, you know, pushing keep new doing things. doing your own thing and figuring it out. Yeah. I keep every, every uh, I did the pep talk booth and every person, I start with the same question, which always sounds really rude and that's kind of the joke, but I say, well, what do you want? Like, yeah. It's sounding like... It's such a simple okay. question. Yeah. It's, a it's simple, hard, hard to answer, yes. right? Yeah. And if you don't know what you want... Then you can't reverse engineer it into the work you're going to be making to get that work. Yeah. But I'll tell you, nine out of ten people I ask, they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, then how is anybody else going to know what to give you? Yeah. You don't know what you want. How do they? They're not. Yeah. Yeah. It it seems like such simple advice and such a a simple answer, but it's it's not. And it takes you a long time to figure out. Yes. And I think, like, I wish I had somebody, you know, answering those questions for me when I was getting out of school as well, but. You don't. It just takes time. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it, it, as bad as that sounds, and as, as cliche as that, you know, just give it time. Just give, give it time. time. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, but when you're 22, you want everything right right away, yes. and, and you you know what you want, but maybe you just can't articulate it quite yet. So, I think when you get uh, stuck into it properly, you appreciate it taking time a little bit. Like I. I used to want it all happen at once yeah. when I first got out. And now it's kind of more like, I don't want to rush it. I don't want yeah. it to go into the next phase instantly. I don't want you know all the opportunities to come at once. Yeah. I don't want to know what all the opportunities are going to be. I want it to, you know, I like to see how this has kind of unfolded. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of it is, um, I think when you, you know, if you did get it all at once, what's after that? 
Exactly. Like if if you get everything you want, then look at Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Jim Carrey, but he's someone who I always think of like who rose to such heights really fast, and then it seemed like it just destroyed his mind for yeah. a, for at least a little while. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Another Canadian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, noticed that a lot of your speech is similar to him. I noticed, and but it's probably just because he's one of the only Canadians that I really have. I don't know, studied very much, but yeah. He's, um, when you catch an interview with him, he's actually really aware and astute as he's to what's very, going on. Yeah, he's a, I mean, I find him super fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I like all of his philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, he approaches it with his own kind of thinking and whatever applies to him. And, you know, I think he's, he's just a typical creative guy who's gone through all these typical challenges like we have. Yes. And, and you're just, you're doubting yourself half the time and then the next day you make something that you like you're like oh this isn't so bad you do something that you know goes super well and then you try something new and it doesn't and yeah. you're doubting and you're like it was a fluke and you get another good one and yeah it just ends up yeah. being a roller coaster and then you come to like a, a conference or something like this and like the whole room is packed with talented people who can do stuff that you cannot do oh uh, I know and sometimes it, you watch these uh, it's so intimidating because like I'm just remembered that I have a talk that I have to go to because right. it's my friend. It's about it's Jeremy. Oh yeah, um, yeah we got, I and I was like, oh gosh, do we got talk in and out? No, but we got time anyway. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, um, yeah. You come to these conferences and you just realize you're like, wow, I really suck at I know at this yeah, or at that, wait. and it's just kind of it puts you in your place and it, it humbles you, but um, it inspires you too because you yeah. feel like, man, I could do more than or yeah. I could do better yeah. or or for me this time around. I feel like we've had a lot of like experimental kind of people that are doing a lot of like I don't know how it's going to turn out kind of thing like yeah. Dadu, Shin, and and Simon who was just on. I feel like there was a lot of like when you're in the fi- the execution of the final, mm-hmm. still uh, experimenting, and I find that really inspiring for me where I'm at right now. I think it's really tough to. Um just remind yourself that you have to keep experimenting and don't get like once you start developing your process yeah um is to you know realize that your process is still fluid it still should be like a process a, a fluid document like it can change at yeah. any time yes it doesn't always have to be go to step one go to step two go to step three and go to step four and i've caught myself in that rut many times yes and then you know i'll get out and i'll be like oh well why don't i just do this or just do that like there's no rules that say I can't. Yep. So, and then, you know, you just have to kind of shake it up a little bit, but. Yeah. I've thought about recently, uh, I, I try, I'm trying to balance out order and chaos because I'll go down a path of like, you know, the last book I just made was very ordered. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to take it. I wanted it. I wanted to finish it. It was one of my first proper kids books and I wanted to finish it and feel like I didn't do anything in it where I'm going to look back and be like, oh, what were you doing? Right. So I would just like, I'm not, not playing it safe in a bad way, but just like, what do I do that's good? And I'm going to do that. Right. And then after going through that process, I go and I'm like, you know what? It's time to inject chaos into this. Right. Yeah. So. There's, um, John Hendricks has that Drawing is Magic book, wonderful book. But yeah. One of, one of the tips in there was basically make a list of 100 things that you like to draw. Oh, that's um, good. And I think it... I, I believe that's an old spin on um, uh, Marshall Arisman's 
class, okay. right? Yeah, um, or lesson. And I know some other people who kind of do it in their classes at the. That's teach. a good one. And I still, I, 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 I actually have a piece of paper stuck in behind my computer, pinned on the wall, like with roughly forty things that I like to draw. And it applies to uh, songwriters, yeah. writers. Because I mean, what, what do you happened, like to write about? What's the hundred things you want, like to write yeah, music about? Because whatever. what happens is, like, if you're stuck with a blank page. Um, you're like, I don't know what to do because sometimes a blank page is really scary. So you're like, oh, well, I've got to look on this list. Oh, I like drawing trees. Yes. Boom. Now you got trees. Now you're off and running. But find like with, yeah, like if you're working on a book or, or something and you're like, well, I've got to interject something else of me in here. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to be just things that you like to draw. Maybe it's things that you like to to do or like, you know, I like to, you know, play with weird crops yeah. or whatever it is yeah. like you know interject some of those things into the book because then you you know you can look at the book later and be like oh yeah no I remember I was trying to change things up a little bit there yeah. and maybe I didn't pull it off or and you kind of develop I do think developing like these are my core values as a creative person like my creative core values like yeah. the, you know these are the things that I and then sometimes you're like I'm, I'm going to do the opposite of that one like, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, I do the same thing. Well, this is awesome, man. This yeah. is like a fantastic talk. Well, thanks for having me. It's Absolutely. A, I want to go check out uh, all the, the other talks here. and It's been good hanging out with yeah, you. Yeah, been, I know. In person. Yes, it's been good to finally hang out in real life. I like connecting yeah. that dot, finally. We've talked a ton on it on the internet yeah. over the past five years, so anyway, but. Yeah, it's probably been at least five years, I would say. Yeah. yeah. How can, uh, how should, how do you want people to find your stuff? I don't want them to find it. <laughs> I'm trying to hide I'm it. I'm trying to hide it until it's it's like fully <laughs> formed. It's really until it's fully yeah. cooked. <laughs> um, on Instagram, you can find me at Darren Booth. Yeah. Um, and on Twitter, you can find me at Dare Booth, just D A R. Right. Booth. Um, That's when you because some guy in some guy in England has my handle. That's when you were a Dare officer. Yeah. Drug. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, or just DarrenBooth.com. All right. Um, yeah. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. We love you. We appreciate you. This episode was chock full of nuggets of wisdom. This was basically a, a 20 piece chicken wisdom nugget episode. Uh, thanks, man. <laughs> Go. I, I loved hanging out with you, buddy. Uh, I'm glad we got to finally meet. Looking forward to hanging it out. Hanging it out again soon. Go check out Darren's work at Darren Booth on Instagram or DarrenBooth.com on the web the website. Uh, his work is gorgeous. Great mixture of collage and painting and lettering. You're not going to be disappointed. He's the real deal when it comes to illustration. Thanks to you guys for listening. If you like Creative Pep Talk and you want to give back, there's a bunch of ways you can. Review the show on iTunes. For some reason, that really helps. And, and a lot of you do that and that is beautiful. Back the podcast financially with your money at patreon.com slash creative pep talk if you are a patron of this show you are the lifeblood of this show and if you're not a patron of this show you're not the lifeblood of this show and if you want to be lifeblood go back it on patreon go to you can go to creative pep talk dot com slash shop to get merch we got new calendars in the shop the 2019 calendars 
They might not be there for long. I've been waiting for weeks to show you these. Really excited about it. They're out now. Chocked full with episode art to bring Pep to your step through every month of 2019. Treat yourself. Uh, You can get the first 100 episodes and stay up to date when the new episodes drop by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. If you never have, go to Spotify and listen to January 20-something by Y, W-H-Y question mark. If, you, if you're a longtime fan of the show but you've never listened to that, that song, it might just blow your mind. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Thanks to, and you can, you can listen to that on Spotify too by searching Creative Pep Talk soundtrack. And thanks to Alex for editing this show so beautifully. He's great at doing that. Thanks to you, thanks to you, friends, for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up.